Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Western Hunting of Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Whitley, and we have yet another excellent guest today, Jeremy Moore from Dogbone Hunter is who we have. Jeremy puts out lots of content, does lots of in-person seminars and trainings to help folks learn how to get their family dog or hunting dog what they've always dreamed of. Started from square one on my dog training, so I absorbed his content like a sponge uh, to learn how to not just have a good hunting dog, but really a hunting buddy or just a buddy around the house. She was just laying on my lap a minute ago and she's attached to us and it's really enjoyable. Jeremy and I talk about dogs, how they fit into our lives. Jeremy has lots of words of wisdom and I've enjoyed listening uh, to what he has to say. I'm happy to share this interview with you all and I hope you enjoy this episode with Jeremy Moore from Dog Bone Hunter. All right, Jeremy, thanks so much for jumping on my podcast and uh, it's, uh, something I've been wanting to get you on to, cause I, I found your stuff and I really liked it. Um, dog bone hunter has some, some unique things there that, that are, uh, uh, you put out a lot of content and I had a hard time absorbing enough of it. Uh, there was there, you got a lot of it, you got an absolute lot of it. So I know there's, I probably didn't even watch half of them because it's, uh, from your videos to the stuff you sent out there's there's a lot there and uh it's all really good stuff so appreciate you uh, helping us dog owners uh, i always said just recently that training animals is not really my thing i never want to have horses uh, i never want to uh any big animals to to train but recently i had a last summer i had an opportunity to get a a little llewellyn setter out of paint river kennels and I have been absolutely thrilled. I dove into that saying, I'm not going to ruin this dog. And I took your curriculum and then the kennels curriculum and I kind of mashed them together. And I, I found some 
really good success this fall. So if awesome. you would just real quick, introduce yourself and, and tell uh, the Western hunting of my audience here, what, uh, what you do, who you are and, and uh, we'll get rolling from there. Yeah. Well, first off, I appreciate you having us. Um, I've got Ben. When I say us, I've got Ben here. I've got a puppy next to me. I've got, you got, you got the whole pack here. So um, thank you for having us. You know, we, I appreciate um, what you said about the co- the content stuff. And for us in particular, we're, we're a pretty small company, um, a very small company. And one of the things that I think is really important to us is we, we do um, I've come up with and, and developed some training stuff. Um, we've created this brand dog bone, which is our, our dog in, in the dog world. That's our line of products. And one of the things that I think is really important is the products need to make sense. And those are things that, that I use and have used over the years and modified and tweaked, um, to work better. I felt for me. Uh, but I think the important part is maybe overlooked a lot is how do you use those tools? And so that's, that's where that content comes in. Uh, we do our best to to really try to share as much as we can. Um, and quite honestly, it's not always very, very rarely is it very polished. And so it's pretty candid. Um, it's pretty uh, share it the way it happened. Um, we're, we're a believer in that there's a lot of value in um, you seeing some of the struggles and, and issues that we run into with our, that I run into when I'm training a dog. And I, I think that um, I've been around dog trainers for a long time. Um, been doing it a long time. I, I professionally, it's been quite a while now, and uh, I feel like you don't always see that. I don't. I didn't always see that, and so I've watched a lot of videos. I've read a lot. Um, I've tried to do as much homework as I can when it comes to training, and I think that um, the the value of seeing things not go smoothly is equal to or better than the stuff that you know goes real smooth, looks real good. So our, our hope is to be able to help folks. And, we're, you know, we're not, my objective is not to change someone's mind on training. Maybe it used to be when I was younger because I've changed a lot over the years um, as a person, as a dog trainer, as uh, in, in general. And I feel like it's not necessarily the objective to, to debate or change someone's mind that's set on doing a certain thing a certain way. Instead, I'd, I think we're better off helping those that are interested in doing something differently, um, maybe like the, what they've seen, the results, and, and would prefer to get results similar um, in ways that maybe aren't the traditional. So that's, that's our big, I mean, that's, it's kind of an unwritten mission, I guess, on our end is help people enjoy their time with their dog, get the most out of that relationship as they can. And I do want to highlight uh, just a little bit. I've been following you in the last year, three quarters of a year. Uh, I know my audience really appreciates family men and uh, uh, the the common individual. And you give off that persona of a of a family man and someone who is a godly man and someone who who uh, just works hard and and. Uh, um, yeah, just living American I, dream. So that, I appreciate that, that man, it, it's true. Like, um, you're not going to get a lot of fancy stuff from us. You know, it's just you don't get. We don't. We just don't do a lot of fancy stuff, admittedly. Um, but but I, you know, I think that honesty is real important, and and that can be boiled down to our training. Um, but it can also be boiled down to other stuff. Like I, I, I don't know how 
if, if you follow very closely or not. But like I've this last month has been a challenging time in my family's life. We've gone through some some loss within our family and um, it's it's created some some definite challenges and hurdles. And my social media like I, I, I post our social media stuff. So like Dogbone Hunter um, is more like my personal page than anything. And so I went for weeks without posting anything and it just priorities weren't weren't uh, a, a I had other stuff I had to focus on, but B it was like, I just didn't feel it. And I'm, I'm honest. And I, you know, so I shared that and I, after the work, after the fact I said, you know, we've gone through some really tough times, but I think that, you know, that's life. And so, you know, your faith and your friends and your family are the things that help you get through it. And I think it, I think that that boils down to life stuff, but it's also dog stuff. You know, I, I, I have a way of probably connecting stuff back to dogs um, for a lot of people that make sense. And it's because that's what makes sense to me. Like I look at, um, I've gone through, we've got our families, we've got a, a 20 year old son that's in college, uh, a 12 year old daughter that's very active volleyball and in soccer and like you know preteen like man that's a whole world on its own and then and that's a and she's a girl and then we've got a three-year-old little girl it's going to turn three this weekend actually so like my um my life is very much my family and i and the dogs fit into that part of my life because the dogs are very much part of our family and so i think it's relatable to a lot of people and the the, the crap we have to deal with is the same stuff that everyone else does, but I can usually, I can usually draw parallels to how I'm approaching a 12 year old going to be 13 year old girl and a 20 year old son that's off to college by himself. And this three year old that doesn't want to sleep on her own. She wants to sleep in her bed. Like I can, I can make these connections to, well, I got this little puppy that's going to be 11 weeks old and you know, the struggles that she's having to get through the night, those first few nights, they're not that much different than the three-year-old that snuggles with me every night, but you know, I handle them differently, admittedly. And so maybe sometimes I need to look at the dog training information and recommendations that I give and I have to apply it towards my daily life with my family. And so I don't mean to dumb it down or discount the fact that they're people and not dogs, but I think we also have to realize that basic principles apply and repetition and consistency forms habits. And that, that's matter. That doesn't matter if it's dogs or kids or coaching or, you know, being a husband or whatever. So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities there. No, I, I had that thought um, when initially diving into your, your stuff and, and relating that to my three-year-old, I had some, had some very similar thoughts and, and uh, made that connection. Um, and I'm yeah. sorry to hear of, of family's loss and the the challenges that are being put your your guys's way. So yeah. there's a lot of a lot of people doing the doing the having the same same or similar kind of issues. And and totally. uh, it's totally. good to ch- good to chat about it and let other people know that there's so yeah. other people out there having the same same issues. Totally. I think it's that. And I think it's also this idea of like for me, you know, and I won't get into details on some of this stuff, but like for me, it's, it's recognizing, um, you know, nobody's life is super smooth. Like, I think we really feel, I think a lot of people think 
think there's so many good things going on in our life in, in our lives right now my family's life like there's so many positive things there's so many good things we're we i'm not complaining um but i also think honesty needs to be there to go it doesn't always go that well and it doesn't always go that smooth and and it's not going to and and that's it's not designed that way i don't think so but i think what it what it does is it makes me aware of um it's a reminder sometimes of you know i need to I need to be put into place a little bit because things get going too smooth. Things get going too well. And then you realize, man, it's, there's other people that are not having such a smooth time. And so how do you help? How do you start to change your mindset to be like conscious of that and recognize it and realize it? So I, I think that, you know, the simple things like people that have reached out in the last few weeks to our family, well, it means a lot. And, and it, that's great. And it's helping us get through it. But it also is this reminder to me, of, okay, pay spent, I need to pay a little closer attention to those around me. Because there's a lot of people that have been, I probably missed their, their struggles that they're going through. And so I need to not miss it going forward and make a point of reaching out, sending an extra text, you know, checking in with somebody. So you just never know what other people are going through. And um, to assume that it's not that people aren't don't have issues I think is crazy to think about no absolutely and we all hide that or don't hide it and we're and and make our way through those those different things differently sure. some people can really are really resilient and others need need the right. a community so for sure um and I, I just to keep us us rolling um I want to kind of just talk about just some uh some of those things you got out there for people, um, you've got your YouTube channel, which there's content all over in your podcast. Uh, I picked up the rubber antler out of shields. I think that was last summer or so. And that tool has been fun to just play fetch with my, my, my dog and, and yeah. in a safe way. Cause she's a, she's a setter. She's all over the place running hard. Uh, I did, throw a real antler the other day and it's like god i don't know if she's gonna <laughs> trip over right. this thing just like your one video of that dog that got that uh uh that got scarred by the not physically sure. scarred but emotionally scarred by getting poked so right. um that's been a fun tool but i think the the things that were game changers for my family and my dog uh because i just have i'm not out hunting every single week with my dog uh, we've got pheasants and, and grouse out here in, in Western South Dakota. Uh, but Eastern South Dakota is where the, where the birds are and kind of central sure. South Dakota. So I can't get out all the time and I'm, I really am more of a big game hunter, but the place training, the yeah. obedience things, uh, because my pup's eight months old now. So that's, was the time at which I'm, I was watching, uh, the crate training, the sit stays. Uh, I just told my wife yesterday, I am so glad I never chased her around to grab something out of her mouth. I am yeah. so glad. And I picked that up from your stuff because sure. I can recall her back. I can get her to come to me. I can get, um, she's never expecting me to take something away from her and, and, yeah. and uh, have, have yeah, that sort of it's an interesting mindset thing that I think is important to kind of embrace prior to the puppies. Like I think, I think a lot of times we like, we do workshops and people come to the workshops and um, they bring their dogs and we do them in the springtime of the year. And 
they're they're primarily found we call them foundation workshops and it's building on the foundation and we'll probably talk about that some but you know you understand like how valuable i feel the foundation is for anything and so especially with a puppy and what i think is interesting is we find that people have come over the last few years um so much more well prepared like when we first we've been in workshops now for 10 12 years i think and the it's grown over the years um and the people that we've gotten folks that come in so much more ready for a workshop and so much further ahead which is just nice it allows us to get probably accomplish a little bit more in a three-day window but it's because of that content that they've seen now long enough and it's been beaten to their head by me i'm sure i sound like a broken record a lot but i think it's this idea of when you were just talking about the idea of you know how, how many people i can't tell you how many people have said i wish i would have seen the content or i wish i would have seen those videos i wish i would have seen that information before my first dog and so my next one's going to be so much better because i'm i'm prepared for it and i think yes probably like that's true um but i also think that you know learning learning through that process like the idea of chasing a dog with something in their mouth makes a lot of sense. I mean, to avoid it, you know, like, I think it's common sense. It's not something that we, if you'd never had it before and you've never experienced the issue of a dog running off of stuff when they get it in their mouth, why would you think along those lines? So it's this idea of getting, getting your mindset, understanding the idea of some of the best training we can do, particularly with young puppies is avoid problems in the first place. Like I, I'm a big believer in the idea of make your job a little bit easier or or as easy as possible by avoiding struggles. So like just, just not training something in is equally as important to training things in at times. And so the, you know, running off of something in their mouth is a perfect example. If you want the dog to bring stuff to you, don't turn it into a game of chase them around with stuff in their mouth. And I don't think we think about it early on because we're not hunt training for hunting. This idea of, you know, the idea of dogs bringing stuff back to us, that's, that's, down the road a ways and but what we don't realize is it starts those habits that are going to drive this dog's life like i'm looking i'm looking down on the side of me right now because i got this puppy on the place right next to me the place is a perfect example of it i get asked a lot you know what are you doing with this puppy and so most of the time my puppy is on her place and i started this at about I picked her up at eight weeks. So that week we started it. So we've been, she spends the majority of her day probably on that place or in her crate, in her kennel. So, you know, quiet and away from me. And so the, the, the beauty of it is, is she just, she can't create many problems on that place. Like if I've showed you it right now, it's, I don't know, it's 30, 32 inches by 24 inches. Like it's just a small perimeter that she's held to and she can't get into trouble there. Her little crate is very small and it's got a nice warm blanket and I put a cover over the top of it and it becomes very secure for her. It's not punishment by any means. And so when she goes in there, she's very quiet and it's a nice safe spot for her. Those are, she spends 90% of her time in those two spots and she hasn't really gotten into any trouble and she's going to be 11 weeks. So for three weeks, I've had her close to three weeks now and she's not getting into trouble. And so the beauty of that is, is, for those three weeks that she's been in my life, we changed everything. Like 
her ha her ability to do stuff. She didn't have brothers and sisters anymore. She didn't have a, a pen to run around and wrestle with and do whatever she wanted. That all was important stuff, early development, understanding pack mentality, understanding where she fell and developing her own little personality. But now at my house, we don't do that. So like it's a culture thing. And I posted this. Uh, I posted a picture of her laying nice and quietly on her bed. There's a picture of my Labrador in the back laying nice and quiet on her bed. And it's just, I said, is it a culture thing or, you know, are we training or what are we doing here? I think it's a combination of all of that. And what, what is nice about that is, is if you shape it to fit desirable things, like for you, you got an eight month, yours is eight month old, you said? Yeah. So eight months old and you got her, him or her? Her. Her. So you got her when she was eight weeks old, roughly two yep. months old. So yep. you got six months, you've got six months of impressions you've been able to put on that dog. And it when you think about it, you it feels like you've probably had the dog for a long time. Like it feels like I've had this puppy for a long time. It's been yeah. less than three. <laughs> it so, surprises me to say you uh, do the math of six months. Like feels like months. she's been a I don't know, that's not long. Right. Feels that's like you've been a long part long. of the member of the family for at least right. a year. Right. So when you think about this, you know, I think what's crazy is when you start talking about this, these, these types of conversations with people and you, you go, well, eight month old dog, you know, like looks like a dog, probably pretty grown. She's probably pretty grown up. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like a dog. You feel like you've had her forever. It's only been six months, but you feel like you've had her forever. And then we start thinking about these dogs and we go, well, we get frustrated. Some people get frustrated with, you know, progress and we're not here yet. We're not doing that. And, we're, and I, I think most of the time I remind people of, oh my gosh, I've only had the dog for six months. And six months is two times, three times, a multiplier of three times the age it was when you got it. So like for the dog's eight months old and for 75% of his life, you've had it. And that hasn't been very long. And so if you if you use that six months to your advantage and shape desirable things, which it sounds like you you're kind of on that path, like life's going to be pretty good for the next eight years or more. And so I think that we don't recognize that. I think we rush to hurry up and get stuff done. And I'm, I'm a, you know, people I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about maybe what, where I'm at and what we're doing with this puppy, but it's probably going to be, Maybe a little disappointing to you. I don't know. I won't. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But when when you start hearing what I'm doing and what we're doing and why we're doing it, I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, boy, I can't believe he's only doing that. I can't. And, and I'm. I'll be honest with you. It used to bug me. Like it really used to bug me. It used to bug. Is there a way for us to turn that? Oh, I'm sorry, man. We're just. I'm just going to say. Oh, you're good. Turn my my uh, emails off so you guys don't hear all that. But so there. It used to bug me when people would talk about, you know, you're only there, you're only doing this, you're only doing that. And I look at it and I go, yeah, I am. I, now I look at it and I go, yeah, I am. Where I used to feel like I had to explain why and justify it. And I think as we get older, um, we become pretty damn comfortable in, in, in the process. And I've become so comfortable now in the process with, when it comes to training a dog, I look at it and I go, yeah, we're good. <laughs> Trust me in the end, we'll be good. Like I, I just don't, I don't worry about it anymore. I think it's probably one of the biggest things I see at workshops for people is they come in here 
and they're so nervous and they're so self-conscious and they're so concerned about what Tom at the gun clubs told them. And they're so concerned about what John down the road said. They're so concerned about what they saw Billy do on Facebook last week. And I just feel like I don't care, you know? And, and, and so one of the things for me is by not caring anymore, takes all pressure off. Like I, I love it because I, I love having these conversations and I love sharing it and we're filming some of the, we're going to be filming this dog's training. And in the past I've been really like excited probably, and maybe pushing a little bit to say, we got to start recording these sessions. We got to start, we got to start doing this. We got to start showing this. We got to start sharing that. And yes, I do think we should, but the thing about it is, is, the value of like what we're doing with them right with her right now it's gonna be pretty boring um which which i want to share that because i think that that'll probably take some pressure off of some people that i just saw a guy i follow a guy on instagram that um i know he's he's gonna do just fine and i'm not saying that you have to do it this way like there's so many different ways to train dogs i know i've i follow some people and i have some friends that are obviously in the dog world and they do things differently than i do and they're you know got puppies doing a lot of things her age and younger they're doing a lot more with them uh, a lot of food-based training a lot of you know getting them to go on place a lot of getting them to do that come to them and do this and do that and i mean it's like they're clicker training and they're doing all this stuff and it and i know that that gets people excited and i know it gets people wanting to follow them and really buying in and believing in the system the system the system i don't have a system i don't this dog is different than every other dog I've trained, so I'll train her differently. What I what I do think is we move in the general direction, but I don't do the same thing with every dog. And so I I am not like winning that race right now with her. Like she runs off on me a little bit, so I had to put a lead on her this week. Like I took her out to go to the bathroom and she didn't want to come back and it was a pain. It was really cold outside and I didn't want to deal with it the next time. So sometimes I put her on a lead when I know I don't have time. I put her on a lead and I take her out and I let her do her business. And then I just bring her back in the house. I that I'm not heal. I'm not working on heal with her yet. I'm not working on lead work. I'm not, we're not there yet, but I realized that if I let her out, she's pretty fast now. She's gotten a lot faster in the last couple of weeks and I can't catch her. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to chase her. I'm not going to play a game of catch with her. So my, am I behind in training compared to some of the people that I watch? For sure. I, I know I watched a guy that, um, that I follow, and I, I think he's probably a pretty good trainer. I, I don't know him that well, but I think he'll do just fine. He's training a little Vizla puppy, and he's doing – he's got positive pigeon steadiness work going on, and I think his dog's younger than mine. And I'm like, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. I mean, I, yeah. is, is it wrong? I don't, I don't know. Maybe not. Is it right? I don't know. Maybe not. But I'm not going to all of a sudden decide I got to go get pigeons because I saw him doing it. So like, I think we'll be fine. And, you know, my, my little puppy right now has the things that I need to work with her. I want her to come to me a little bit better. I want her to like me a little bit more. I want her to get a little bit more, come to me and, and be okay with getting petted. She's not real. She's not real warm and fuzzy when it comes to petting. And so she's a great snuggler, a great cuddler, but she's not really run up and get on my lap type of dog. And so I'm trying to figure that out. And, and is it a breed? And I'm, determining is it a breed thing or is it just this personality on this dog thing i don't know the answer to that yet um you know i i my labradors tend to want to really climb up on top of me and like me 
Uh, she's not, but I also had a golden retriever that recently on my parents that was the same way as this setter. So I don't think it's a breed thing, um, but I'll find out. So, yeah. but I, I just look at it and I go, this, this idea of getting so much done so early, that's, that's one, one way of doing it. But I, I look at it and I go, that's like being concerned about what the end of the score is at the first quarter. I, it really doesn't right. matter to me. Um, I'd like to be in the game. I mean, I'm not saying don't do anything and be down a thousand to nothing. Like that's hard to come back from. So yeah. don't like, I'm a big believer in let puppies be puppies. I just think that let puppies be puppies means totally different things to different people. And that's where it gets real slippery because my idea of letting a puppy be a puppy is probably different than someone else's. This idea uh, that you're talking about really comes up in so many different avenues on my podcast and talking about different ways of doing things. And it drives me nuts to hear uh, when's the best day to hunt whitetails? November 1st, yeah. November 7th. That's the day you need to be in the field. It's so cut and dry sometimes. Yeah. Hunting and the outdoors and dogs and is not cut and dry. There is not a right and a wrong. There's there's so much gray in the middle. Uh, and everybody, I I really that's appreciate that, that approach of there's a lot of ways to do things. And each dog yeah, is that's different. Life. I mean, not to get super deep or anything, but that's life too. You know, like I, I do think there are certain things that are real clinical. Um, they're real, you know, it's real sterile, A, B, C, D. Like that, you know, I use an analogy about cooking versus baking. Baking is more precise. You got to have the ingredients. You can't, you can't, you can't just do stuff and have things turn out. Like it's, you gotta, you gotta follow the rules. You gotta follow the directions. I think, you know, certain things like building a motor, you know, you can't, can't just substitute a carburetor for something else. Like it's, it's, you gotta, there are certain things that make mechanical things happen. And that is understood. Like I get that. That is not, that's a mindset and a mentality that's different than I think the approach that I think is most favorable when it comes to raising dogs. It's like raising kids. Like there's no manual. If there was a manual, like if there was the the book to to read or the book to follow step by step on how to raise your kids and have good, you know, citizens that contribute to society, like that we'd all, you know, most people would read that book. And but we'd have but then what would we have? We'd have a bunch of robots. Like we'd have the same thing replicated over and over and over again. And that's not that's not human. So right. dogs are the same way. Like I, you know, my, my puppy um, came from a kennel. It's called Northwoods Bird Dogs. And my buddies and I all put deposits down at the same time. We thought it'd be cool. I'll get puppies together. First setters, we're all Labrador guys. So we're going to, we're all going to get these pups. <clears throat> Those two got puppies out of the same litter. They got males. And so they got theirs over a year ago. I waited an extra, I don't know, 16 months or something like that and ended up being but the thing that was interesting to me was, <clears throat> A, I'm glad it happened that way. It just gave me an opportunity to, to witness some stuff. I just wrote an article for Gundog Magazine about that. I talked about me having the resource of these two buddies that are friends of mine that are not professional dog trainers, certainly not professional pointing dog trainers. I'm learning more from them in conversation and observation than I did reading a bunch of books that I bought. I ordered a bunch of books. I watched a bunch of videos. I YouTubed a lot. I tried to find stuff that would help me prepare for this for this 
setter. And so did it? Yeah, it gave me some, gave me some information. But I truly think I'm getting more valuable information that I can apply from just conversation with these two guys and their experience. So as I go through and I watch them raise these dogs, I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, there you go. There, there's, there's a great resource. There's a way for me to learn how to do it with this little dog. And then I recognize they're litter mates. Like their genetic makeup is identical. Like they're, they're brothers. And they're totally different. Totally different personalities. Um, now, they both were raised in different homes. Like cultural, I do think the cultural impact has has big implications on how dogs turn out. So is that part of the equation? Yep, got to take that into consideration too. But I, I know for a fact that these guys aren't like that staunchly different in their approach to raising dogs. And so the dogs are different. One of them has a totally different personality than the other one. And so if I, if those, if one of those guys or myself were raising both of those dogs, I don't think it's do the same steps with both of those dogs. I've raised litter mates before. I mean, I've, I've trained litter mates before in the past regularly, lots of them. And so I know that I don't take the same steps with two litter mates side by side when in theory, why wouldn't you? Well, it's because they are the, X factor there that I have to take into consideration. They're different. And so training dogs is like that. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see litter mates. Um, I, Cause I've never had or been around the brothers and sisters. And I always wonder, <clears throat> I picked that one. I wonder what his right. brother's like. Totally. Cause my, my, my dog's litter went all over the world <laughs> from yeah. there's one over in Slovakia or some. I <laughs> thought the exact same thing. I just thought that the other day, because I, when it comes to picking out the puppy, I had a choice of two. There were three females. <clears throat> I had a choice of two. And I laughed. And I'm going to write about this in our next article for Gundog. But, um, you know, I went there. I had an hour, basically, to sit down with, with the puppies and look at them and, and pick it out. And January 2nd, that Sunday after New Year's is when we went over and did it. And I didn't know what I my options were going to be. I knew there was three of them. And I knew, and I knew two of them were tricolored. And I knew the one was black with just black and white. And so I wasn't sure which I knew I had this second pick. So the people ahead of me were going to take the first, their first pick of the three. And I figured, <clears throat> I just figured that I'm going to have a choice of one tricolored because there were two of them or the black and white one. And unless there was some, and I, I, I wanted a tricolor. That was like one of the things that I just kind of wanted. I've always, I've always kind of wanted it. And it's kind of, it was important to me. So, but I also thought, you know, if there's a tricolor and there's this black and white one and there's something I don't like about the tricolored one, I'll, I'll go with the black and white one. And I made sure my wife was cool with that. And they all, they didn't care. So that was a big thing going into it was, you know, I'm going to have a choice of these puppies. So I sit down and I look at them and they were both tricolored. The black and white one was the first pick. So eliminated my choice. I didn't have to make a choice. I'm going to get a tricolor no matter what. Well, I have this one that I picked and then I have this other one. This other one's got a much different markings, totally different markings. And I knew within minutes which one I wanted. Like I liked this one. I liked the one with the mask, black on both sides. I liked the little mark on her forehead. I liked, I liked the look of this one. And personality-wise, I don't know that I could tell that much in, in an hour. I, I certainly didn't don't know that I could tell that much in five minutes. I probably had them pick 
pegged pretty good in five minutes because one of them was a little more feisty. Uh, the one I did not pick was a little more rambunctious. Uh, I talked with the kennel, you know, the folks at the kennel and asked them, what do you think personality wise? Yeah, I would agree. I think this one probably has a little more zip. Um, this one's a little more laid back. My, my mind was made up. Like I, unless there was something super dramatically change different than what I saw in those first five minutes, I was taking this one home. And so I thought about it the other day. Well, I wonder what that little one with the white markings on the face looks like right now. I wonder how she's doing. I wonder if she's coming back to him better. You know, I wonder if she's recalling better. I wonder if she gave him fits at night because mine didn't. Like I picked the right one. This one slept through the night. This one is quiet as a mouse. This one soup. I have no complaints about this puppy. But I question her. I wonder like, I wonder how about the other one's doing. So yeah. I think that too, but I also think that, you know, when it comes to picking them, you got to pick the one you like because I'm going to have her for a long time. And one of the best pieces of advice I had, it wasn't really a piece of advice, I guess, but it was just a comment that a guy gave to me that I respect a lot. Um, Dog trainer. I bought breedings from him. He's over in, he's over in England, but he, one of the things I did a dog, I trained a dog named Bella a while back that very nice dog we did a youtube series on her and i had more fun with that dog than i've had with any dog in a long time for lots of reasons and one of the things me and him were messaging back and forth on it they said you know why you're having such success no i don't and you know because i i don't know i've become a good trainer is what i'm thinking in my head you know no that's not it he said (laughs) he said it's because you really like that dog and i thought yeah, that's probably pretty true. I really do enjoy her. Like I have so much fun with her and I enjoy the process of everything that we do together. And he's like, you got to like your dogs, man. I just way too many times people take this so much so serious that they don't just like them. And so if you're going to, if you're going to, you need to work with them. I need to put a lot of time. I need to spend a lot of time with this. If this little dog drove me nuts, I wouldn't have been able to bring her to Milwaukee this last weekend. I had to go down for a volleyball tournament. So I, I commuted with her. You know, she rode with me. If she if she drove me nuts, if she had bad habits and things that drove me bonkers, I couldn't have spent the 12 hours in the car that I did over the three days, two days back and forth. Like, I, I, it wouldn't have been fun to me. Uh, I wouldn't have done it. You know, like, I wouldn't have her sitting here next to me. I purposely took her out and told Ben, I said, I got to get her outside before she, she can go to the bathroom before she comes in. Because I put her here because I like her here. I like watching her. So when you like them, that's a simple thing for people when it comes to picking yeah. up puppies. Like we pick them out because I, you know how many people ask me like, how do I pick out the right puppy? You pick the right litter. I don't think you pick the right puppy. I think if you pick the right litter, the puppy's in there. Just take one. Find yeah. the one you like the most. Yeah. That's what I was told. I was told you can't go wrong with picking one of these. Cause I pick out the females and you can't go wrong. And right. I said, okay. And I couldn't, the coloration we wanted to try color as well. And, and I was like, my wife said, oh, there's only like spot on her butt and spot on her face on this side. I could not believe the ticking that came in. She is the most gorgeous dog I've ever had. And just so much color came in. And yeah. I'd recently drove to Milwaukee as well on a little quick antler buying trip. And and uh, she was the best Sure. Dog, travel buddy, ever, and it just was that same thing. I, I, I love her and it part of the family, more, right? I mean, yeah. it, it makes yeah. you go, man. I want to spend more time with you, and I do think that, you know, it's one of the reasons. 
it's one of the reasons my dogs have gotten over the years continued to get, I think, better. Like, you know, I, I look back over the years and I, I've had some really nice ones. I mean, I've trained some very nice ones for clients and I think they, I think they, it's a continually improving thing. I think the end product is getting better and better and better. And I think it's not just one thing. I think it's the dogs themselves, the genetics. I think I've, I've become way better at selecting the right puppies for me. Like, and I think that's an important part of it. But I also think that have I gotten to become a better trainer? Probably. And I've, I've learned, I've just experienced enough now and I continue to experience more that makes me a little bit more versatile. Like I can just, I can adjust better. I can read things better. I can, I can avoid things um, from happening better. So that's, that's part of it. But I also think that I like it a lot more. I, you know, I, there was a time in my career that, um, the dogs are not, the dogs are not the focal point of our business when it comes to income. Like I, I have a really bad setup. My structure is not smart when it comes to training dogs. Like we'd go out of business if we did it the way I don't, I don't charge based on time. We're not a kennel. We don't, we don't bring dogs in for, you know, one month, three months, six months type stuff. We don't do that. We get, we get puppies, we train them. They go home when they're ready. The people are ready and I'm ready. Like it's just, it's a real, it, I raise dogs like I would my own. Like that's how we do it for clients. So I think that there was a time when I was doing more of them and it became such work. Um, you know, I hear people talk about grinding it out, grind, the grind, the grind. And I look at it and I go, man, I, for some people that's okay. Uh, I, the last thing I want is the part that I love the most, which is when it comes to our business, dog training products, Without the dogs, the, why have products? Like the dogs are an essential part of this. So for me, the part that I love the most, the part that started the whole company is the dogs. And so if I don't like that part, I can't do a very good job at the rest of our business. And so when I, when I trained a lot of them, a lot more of them, it got to the point where, man, I was frustrated. It was, it was, Things weren't going as well as I had hoped. There was too, and the re- reality was, is there was too many of them. There's too much of it, and I'm not enjoying it. And when I'm not enjoying it, it makes it a challenge to want to go grind it out. I don't want to get up and grind anything out. <laughs> like, I want to get up and go. I'm excited to go work with this dog, or I'm excited to go work with these dogs. And so, when you change your attitude about it, and for me, it was do less of them. Like, do less of them and enjoy every one of them. And all of a sudden now, like my wife puts me in check a little bit once in a while when I talk about maybe, you know, maybe another puppy, maybe another one of these, maybe another one of those, uh, you know, getting the setter was not, my family is a hundred percent supportive of the idea, especially now, but like there was a little bit of a window there where, where it was like, do we need another dog? Do we want another <laughs> dog? Um, and I did. My answer was yes, I do. I think we do. But, you know, the, the you got to have everybody on board and you got to have. So it's going to be fine. She'll fit right in. She'll, you know, I think part of it is, is understanding that she's not that different. Um, you know, she's she's a, she's a similar dog to what, what we're used to. But um, I enjoy it. And I think the beauty for people that are listening to this is I hope that most of you are not doing this to grind it out. 
Like maybe you are. Maybe that's your aspirations. Become a kennel. Be be big. Have lots of runs. Have lots of dogs. I I don't know that I'm the guy probably to to listen to as much because I might I might tell you some things that um that that you hear and go man that's not the route I really want to go and and so I think you got to be careful and I think it, I get off track but like that idea of when he told me the reason that dog's turning out so well is because you're really enjoying it I think that making a point of enjoying the whole thing, the process from the start to finish is the way, is the way to find the most success. It really is. And what, uh, what kind of setter? What's her name? Her? He, yeah. Her, what's her so, name? So she's, that's a good question. Uh, we're, it's almost a dedicated podcast in its own right. Uh, so <laughs> her, her name, she's an English setter. She came from Northwoods bird dogs, Jerry and Jerry Coulter, and Betsy Danielson. Great, great, great people. Um, probably, the people are what sold me on the kennel as much as anything. Uh, clearly we went and visited the dogs a couple times. I knew some people that had gotten dogs from them. Um, you know, we're, I'm going to use her for grouse, grouse and woodcock. So foot hunting. Um, we have a cabin up in Northern Wisconsin. Um, it's where I'm from originally. My parents live up there now. They've retired up there on the lake. My, my sister and her family have a place up there on a different lake, on the lake that my parents are on. We got a place on a different lake pretty close so it's just like this fit like i've 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 gotten back into the bird hunting a lot more so this is the this is the dog that i wanted i've always wanted to have one just wasn't i wasn't going to hunt them the way i needed to even though i wanted one um you know for years now and quite honestly i didn't know it was wasn't good i didn't know the english setter was the one for me at first to start out a pointer um i was into a into pointers themselves and looking at L Hugh style or looking at different pointers. And I ended up over the few years kind of evolving to the idea of, I like the warmth of these English setters. Um, they remind me a lot of our Labradors when it comes to connection and feel and their, their eyes and that warmth. And so we'll see if that was smart on my part or not, but um, put a lot of thought into it. Her name is, um, her name is Makina. And so Makina is Spanish for the machine. So there's a book called um, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Hemingway. So I don't read books. Um, I don't, I'm, I, I've not read a lot of books in my life. I've read a few, Me but neither. I listen. <laughs> so, but I listen to them. I got this app, Audible. My, wife, my wife's a big reader. So she has this app, Audible, and I've got it. And there's some really good <laughs> breaking news. There's some really good books out there. Like there, there are, there's a lot of really good books out there and good information. And I'm into a certain style. I like documentary type style. I like based on a true story type stuff. So I've listened to Audible books over the years and it's become something I, I release a little bit of stress in the truck. So I listen to the, these books. Well, I like Hemingway stuff. Um, I'm a tr trout fisherman more recently in my life. I like going up to the UP, um, Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Uh, Hemingway wrote about it in his childhood. Um, same places, same streams that we fish. So it's just, there's a lot of connection for me there. So I've listened to some Hemingway stuff. Well, For Whom the Bell Tolls is a book he wrote. A lot of people have read it, I'm sure. In that book, they talk about the Machina and it's this, it's the machine gun. And so I listened to that book, uh, not uh, a couple of years ago, and they say it so often. And I kind of like the way it sounded. Be honest, the way he pronounced it, machina, the machina, the machina, get to the machina. So I was like, yeah, 
I, never really thinking about it as a dog's name, but I heard that in my head because I listened to that book. Well, when we got her, so I, there's another author called Gordon McQuarrie. I don't know if you're familiar with Gordon McQuarrie or not. Uh, Wisconsin writer, early 1900, born in 1900, died in 1956. He's like one of the first true outdoor writers. Um, wrote for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, wrote for the Superior Magazine up at, or the uh, newspaper up in Superior, Wisconsin, where he's from, Bayfield area. So he's written some books, uh, Stories of the Last Duck Hunter, more Stories of the Last Duck Hunter. So great, great, great stuff. And so I listened to that too. Um, I actually bought some of his, some of those books, but so Gordon McQuarrie's nickname was Mac. So Machina means the machine. And so I kind of liked that. I thought about it and we thought of, well, what if we named a dog Machina? And I'd probably call her, I don't like the name Mac for a boy. Um, I think it's, overused i think a lot of people call it but for a girl it's kind of cute so we said well what if we nick what if we called her mac her real name is makina so her real name is northwoods moore's makina point the little pointing machine northwoods moore's pointing machine so but that's her paper name and then uh mac was what we were going to call her but makina is really sticky and so i had all full intentions of calling her mac shorter a little more, you know, a little to the point. Uh, Makina is really sticking. And I've got a three-year-old, going to be three-year-old daughter, who pronounces it very clearly and very interestingly. And so, Makina, Makina, Makina. So, we're kind of sticking with Makina right now. Maybe that'll turn into Mac, but I'm not sure. Um, we'll see. I think I'm going to train. I actually think I might name a dog a Labrador in the future, uh, Makina, as well. And that one we'll call Keen. Because I, I think <laughs> so we'll, awesome. have little, we'll have the machine, we'll have the retrieving machine, and we'll have the pointing machine. But um, we'll see. So she's a really nice looking uh, tricolor dog. She's just very classic looking tricolor, uh, has really nice markings. I think it's interesting to hear you talk about the ticking marks coming out. She's got quite a few of them. Uh, obviously, the majority of her body is pretty white right now, but she does have a lot of ticking on her belly. You can see the ticking on her back. Um, I'll be real curious to see how that, how that comes out. It's one yeah. of those things that I've just, I've not had before. Um, and there's a, would, there's an art to it. Like, you know, she's got these little Molly spots above her eyes that are really cute. And, um, she's got some, I was so, so surprised. She was pitch white except for those big black spots. And now she's sure. like full color. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's really what is cool. her roommate? What did her learn? That's the that's the interesting thing about these dogs to me. It's the other, it's another reason why I wanted to do another breed, own another breed for more than just like the hunting perspective of it. Obviously, I'm going to get things out of this dog that I can't get out of my Labradors. So, but for me, I hunted this last fall with a very good friend of mine. Uh, he owns Raglan Gun Dogs, so he has um, English Cockers. His name's Jay Lowry, good buddy, and he's got these English Cockers. I think how many do you bring? Ten. I mean, he had a pile of them. And then we had another buddy. Uh, we had another buddy, Jordan, um, that came and he had, I don't know, he had a bunch of cockers. These guys are cocker guys, English cockers. And the color scheme on these dogs is like a rainbow. I mean, they're they're from black and whites to tan, to deer colored, fawn colored, like to whites, to they got everything in between. So I really thought it was interesting to see these these color palettes of these dogs. And I, you know, 
I've seen it. I see it now because it, it's it's a lot like, you know, when you buy a new tr- car, like if you buy a new truck, you don't realize how many of them are out there on the road, like the one you just bought. <laughs> but once you once you bought one, you recognize, oh my god, there's look at them all. So yeah. I didn't realize, like I didn't pay as close of attention to the setter world as I as I have the last few years, um, which has opened my eyes to a lot of this stuff. And I think it's interesting to see these colors, you know, like. Oh yeah. Some are so classic looking that maybe I didn't like so much in the past. And, um, but I've, I've just, I've grown a different appreciation for them. So, but like your, so yours is tricolor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yes, she is. Um, and just the one big patch on the one side and the other is all this splotchy, um, uh, tricolor. I'll send you a picture when we're done, but, uh, her litter mates, the, Males were all really dark, lots of color uh, as pups. And the females were all really light, just a few spots. Even one was just all white, except one on the one on the hind end. Uh, and the it, we oh, had picked out the black and white one that was a lot of color because we wanted a lot of color. And we realized now that one would have been dark, <laughs> really, really dark. And yeah. she just has that perfect blend of what we were looking for. So it's really, you think about all those non-hunting dogs out there that people pick them out when they're cute. Well, they, right. they change a lot when they're not a puppy. Right, right. <laughs> and, so what, what was mom and dad like on your litter? Uh, they were dark. Um, one was pretty similar to what she's turned into. Um, the male or the female? Both of them. Both of them were pretty, had lots of color. Uh, but not that light, light. He, he has a few dogs that are that just the brown and the white and, and they're uh, not a lot of color, but both these dogs had lots of, lots of color. I think one was just black and white and the, and the mom was tricolor. So which one do you think your dog looks most like mom or dad? uh, Mom. Yeah. Mom for sure. Cause I do think that we see it with our Labradors too. Like, um not i don't know so much with the color but we see some characteristics and traits that you know that i'm a believer in you breed strengths to dogs like i don't look to breed strengths to weaknesses and try to get a balance somewhere in the middle i don't i don't think that works i think what happens and everyone's got their own ideas when it comes to breeding stuff but i feel like you look for strengths um because when i'm looking when i'm looking at puppies when we have when we have litters and we've got one we, we do very limited amount of breeding here. Um, but we've got a litter on the ground uh, that will be on the ground at the end of this month. Um, she's due. And so I found that when we want when those puppies get older, they, they are much pretty distinctly one way or the other. They're either more like mom or they're more like dad. And I think that they take on, they take on characteristics, um, and I think a lot of it, a lot of times it's physical too. Like the ones that physically look a lot like mom act a lot like mom is what I have found. So I think it's interesting. Um, we'll see, you know, that that's, yeah. the, that's the art when it comes to the breeding part of it. Yeah. And um, I, I really want to respect your time and let you get back to your day. But I, so I want to keep it sure. within that hour or pretty close, but um what uh we got shed hunting season coming up yep. and uh i kind of took a big break on some training stuff because we were doing in the field training and yep. actually i take that back taking 
some of your advice, every moment is training and creating that habit. So I haven't stopped training. It's all continued, sure. but, uh, with shed season coming up and everybody just thinks they want just a, I want a shed dog. I want a shed dog. Um, what's, uh, what's some, uh, just some quick tips for those people hitting the field and, and I'm hitting the shed hunting stuff on my podcast a little differently because there's definitely some ethic pieces that got to be taken into consideration. I'm seeing people going out already. And it's like, we got to live, we got to leave some of this wildlife alone for a little bit. Sure. Uh, especially our elk here, but what, uh, what tips do you got for, for running dogs? And am I in, I'm, I'm planning on just taking my dog for a walk and getting her used to the antler, but I'm, I don't have high expectations for making a, yeah. make, make my dog into an amazing shed dog. It's just, She's my buddy. She's my hunting buddy and she's going to yeah. go along. Well, I think, I don't think tra- I, having the conversation regarding developing shed dogs and plug in, take out sheds and plug in grouse dog, take out grouse dog, plug in duck dog, take out duck dog, plug in family dog. Like, I don't, I don't know that the roles, yes, there's obvious things that you want to do for pre- preparation. That's probably a little bit different, but I, when it comes to it, I think this, it's a really common question that you, that you're asking and I'll be just, uh, and, and I, so I'll answer it the best I can, but I also want to answer it in a way that isn't the same article that everyone's written and everyone's read in outdoor life and field and stream and this magazine, that magazine, and not, I'm not, try, I'm not bashing on any of that stuff, but I think what, what we have, we, what we have developed into as a society of sportsmen and women that, are into hunting and outdoor activity stuff is we would like to have the top three things to work on prior to shed season. Just like we want the top three list of things to kill a buck during the rut. And we want the top three things to, um, you know, begging a limit of late season mallards. Like there's no, so, so I, I don't have that answer. Unfortunately, what I look at is when I, when I start talking about getting ready for shed season, I think it all depends on everybody's situation with their dog and they're where they're at in their training journey. So like for me and for you, you know, eight month old dog, I do think that you, the nice part about shed training is, is when shed hunting, I should say, is when you go shed hunting, you can take your dog with, like you'll have very, there'll be very minimal risk involved with you taking them. Now we're talking in, in the, you know, we're in a little bit different situation with location when it comes to the timing of you know from an ethics standpoint and a pressure on the animal standpoint in a public land versus private land type stuff all that stuff aside i'm not going to get into like the, the yeah. depths of that but for me you know our the farm we hunt will shed hunt it this spring well we're, we we go in march like I'll, I'll probably go in march so that leaves me 60 days maybe 75 days before i might go shed hunting um chances are I just won't go much earlier than that. Can you go earlier than that around here? Sure. Um, you can walk the trails, but you know, you're limited with what you're going to be able to potentially see. And so, but for me personally in March, when it first starts to melt, that's probably when I'll go. Well, March is, you know, three, let's just say it's three months from now. Well, she is, uh, going to be three months pretty quick here. So she'll be six months. So can I take her shed hunting? For sure, I can take her with me. Um, to be honest with you, for her, 
personally, me, I, I don't have aspirations and intentions of necessarily developing her into a shed dog. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take her with because we have a lot of grouse and we'll in March, they'll start drumming already by us. So like they'll be in areas and we jump a lot of grouse when we're shed hunting because we find ourselves in areas that are conducive to finding antlers and rough grouse in the spring. Like that's just habitats overlap. So what I'll do is I'll take my Labradors and we'll look for sheds. But I also will have her with, and I hope she finds some bird contacts. Like, I think I'll have some opportunities to have some wild bird contacts. So that would be great. But what I'm looking at is if you're, if you have that six month old dog, eight month old dog, 10 month old dog, two year old dog, it's going to all depend on where you're at in your training. And if you go out unprepared for training with it, with your training, if you go out and you really haven't worked on much, you go out, you shed hunt with them. The nice part is, is you don't wreck anything. But I also think you got to look at it and go, I got to have realistic expectations. I don't know that I'm going to go out there and be upset or frustrated if the dog runs over antlers because that's the preparation they've had. So it's no, the difference with a duck dog is you can't just take a duck dog that's not prepared. You just can't take them. You can't just take them duck hunting. You can, but you run the risk of creating a lot of issues. Like there's a lot of uncontrolled things. There's a lot of things that really need to be in place in order to have that dog not only be successful, but not create lots of issues. So I think that it is a different, totally different approach. So for you, you know, when you go shed hunting with them, you've already started sounding like you've already started with that training dummy. Your dog's got, your dog has got some pretty natural retrieve. It sounds like. Yeah. Yes. Um, And actually her point is not really coming in, but we've, we've hunted a lot of, wild pheasants and pheasants that are not holding tight so we yeah. and with some other dogs so we haven't had that time to really or even our opportunity to for that yeah. point to really come in right. other than out the window with the rabbits and the turkeys <laughs> but yeah. uh there's there's a lot of instinct for her to to cover ground and her nose is i am so proud of her her nose just works and she's looking and using her nose yeah. um and so i think, I think- yeah, go ahead. So I think that like, because you've like, I love the approach you've taken to this point of, you know what? She retrieves. So she picks up that dummy, you know, she picks up that antler dummy and, and likes it. It's fun. It's positive. Mm-hmm. And if she likes to retrieve to you and you've encouraged that and have her recognize, like, it's not a bad thing to bring stuff back to him. In fact, it makes him pretty happy. Like all of a sudden, all of that stuff is imprinted in that dog's head of this is something that pleases him. Like, the dogs have all been bred to please us. Like they, they have that inherent trait. It's biddability. It's a willingness to please. They want to make us happy. So you're, you've already started by simply letting that dog understand that there is a shape of a thing out there that when I pick it up, I can bring it back to dad and he likes that. So that's great. And it's been positive. And that's the design of that training dummy is to make sure it's positive. It's not running the risk of having a negative jab, a poke, a, a, a thing that turns them off to say, stay away from that. You know, I got to be cautious of that. So the beauty is, but then, it, but then it comes back to this reminder for us of she's eight months old, like, and she's yeah. going to be, and she's going to be 10 months old then. So we look at it and I think it's something that I'm going to be paying real close attention to with, with the breed. Like, I think everybody that I've talked with, and studied and seen is so adamant on getting these dogs that exposure so early. I'm not against it. It's new to me. 
like I'm not used to putting dogs in position like that that early. I don't do it with a Labrador. I don't think I'm not going to do it with this dog. Not, this dog is going to see some stuff. But I think what's you, what you just brought up with, you know, it's not quite that point yet. And not quite. It's because it hasn't had enough time and opportunity. So that's my belief. So, like, I look at it and I go, yeah, some people are going to say, oh, my gosh, by that time, my dog's doing this, this, and this. So what? Like, that's great. Good. Uh, we'll get you'll get there when it and I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked with in the last 18 months that are friends that are going down the similar path that I am. It's not just my two buddies. It's I know other people, too. And the idea of light bulbs turning on for their little setters, for their little pointing dogs, these light bulb moments where all of a sudden it, it clicked. And the dog did it and and they knew it had it in them, but they were a little bit wondering where the hell is it? Like, why isn't it coming out? Well, it just happened. And every single one of them, I've had the luxury of watching them go through this, you know, worried about it. What can I do different? Maybe trying a bunch of different things, getting a bunch of different opinions, going left, going right, going left, going right, going left, going right. And the reality is when it was all over and said, said and done with, it just took the time in order for it to happen. And as much as we want to do it faster, as much as we want to push that time, we, we're not able to. That, that exact same conversation we had about retrievers. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted the dog to do it because it should be doing it. It's this old. I've been doing this. It knows how to do that. It has all the things that every other thing dog had when it happened and it's just not happening. And then all of a sudden it happened. So that gives me, that gives me so much hope and excitement to see that, that come happen because the English setter, Llewellyn setter, pretty close breed, I would assume. And that, that dog is so smart those setters are just so stinking smart that I'm sure it's just going to come. And I've been, that you're the second person that's told me that same thing. It's going to come and it'll, she's going to figure it out. I watched my, my golden try to, or my Llewellyn try to get a a ball or toy or whatever out from underneath her elevated bed. She did that way different than my golden. She figured it out instead of just pawing at it. She's sure. stinking smart. Yeah. <laughs> so it was cool. Yeah, right? I don't think, cool I think to see. The IQ, the IQ on these dogs is really high I, yeah. from what I've seen. And so that's that's great. Like I think we should, we, you know, it's that's a positive thing. I think what what I usually what I and you may have even heard me say this before, but again, like I do I do I am repetitive. Like I'm a broken record with a lot of things. And I do think that one of the best ways to speed things up. Everyone's looking for efficiencies and wanting to speed things up. I think one of the best ways to speed it up is to slow it down. It sounds a little bit counterproductive, but when we really try to push stuff on, on dogs to get that, get it to happen. And the same is true with business. The same is true with relationships. The same is true with like stuff that we do in life. The more we, the more focus we have, the, watch pot never boils like there's there's some there's some value in that like if we just can't give it an opportunity to happen it doesn't happen and sometimes it's it's taking it's taking that focus of a 
of ours away from it and allowing that to happen. And I, I do think that that's, it's a, it's a part of dog training that's really helped me, helped me in a lot of, a lot of, um, spaces dog wise, but also outside of the dogs. And I, I just, it takes an extreme, it takes us this point where we have to get past certain things within ourselves. Like it takes some confidence, um, you know, for you. And how do you get that confidence? That's the question. How do you get that confidence if you've never done it before? Like I, I can't explain it to a lot of people that are listening to this because I can explain it and it maybe makes sense, but it's like a bad back where if you heard people talk about bad backs, I used to work construction. So I heard, every Monday morning I heard these old guys come in and they were just crippled up and they told me about how bad their back was. And here I was, you know, younger guy and, um, you know, empathetic to a degree, but like, I felt sorry for you. You told me how bad it was. You're taking medication for it and all this stuff. And I'm going, man, I'm really sorry. Get to work. Like that was my, my, my attitude was, you know, okay, let's go to work. And I realized you know, when you're young and you don't experience and have that feeling, I didn't feel the bad back. It doesn't hurt that bad. So like you can just suck it up and get through it. Then I hurt my back. And so like, I literally had to have back surgery. And like, I, I had unbelievable, like my, your back is your center. Like if you've ever had a bad back, you realize it's the core of your yep. body. And so <laughs> you take the back away from someone and it's miserable to do everything. And so I didn't appreciate the fact that these guys were really having a hard time because they had bad backs until I had a bad back. What did yeah. it take for me to really recognize it? I had to experience it. And so for you, for me to tell you, Hey, just be patient, just be patient. It'll happen. Just be patient. It'll be happening. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But you're what's going to end up happening is light bulbs are going to click for you and that dog. And then you're going to go, Oh, that's what he meant. Like I knew what he meant. I knew what he said and I believed him. It's not that you don't believe me. It's that because you don't have the experience, you didn't go through it. It's not going to make as much sense. But, yeah. but I think that, so we all have to go, we all have to have that. And, and the one thing I can tell everybody that's listening right now is there's one sure way to not make progress. And that's just do nothing. Like you can't do nothing. Right. So, so for the shed hunter that wants to go shed hunting this spring and develop a shed dog, go shed hunting, take them with, but, but you, you want to make it better, put a little work in ahead of time. You want to make it even better, have realistic expectations when you go into this season and look at it more of, instead of this year, we're going to have a shed dog this year, we're going to have our first experience and opportunity to maybe pick a couple, couple sheds. And if we do, we'll get better from that. And then next year, it'll be even better. And next year, it'll be even better. And then the next thing you know, you're four or five seasons into it. And you got yourself a shed dog. And you don't remember when it actually happened. Because <laughs> you just kind of you just kind of enjoyed the whole damn thing. Yeah. If I, I'm, I'm not, it, it's, a, it's, it's used a lot. People say it a lot. But like the, pro, the process from start to finish should not be broken into segments and enjoyed differently. Like the end result is not necessarily the best part. In fact, sometimes it's anticlimactic. It's a little bit disappointing. Yeah. You know, the, the, you don't, you get to that pinnacle. Well, I don't want to get to the pinnacle. I want to keep climbing. I want to keep going. So I look at it and I go, it's just a, it's a full journey 
that's enjoyable the whole way. It's just some parts I like probably a little bit more than others. Yeah. Um, well, you've taught me a lot, whether, and this is the first time you've even seen me face to face, but you've taught me a lot and I'm sure a lot of other people, and I appreciate that very much. Um, the, and you say that you ramble a lot and you're broken record, but there's a lot of advice in there and I can, I can see it and I hear it and I appreciate it. So, um, and I'm sure many other people do as well. Can you real quick? Uh, share your, your places, um, yeah. your website and your Instagram and everything that you got yeah. coming up. You bet. Real simple. It's just all dog at Dogbone hunter. So that's our, we, we use, we do use YouTube. Our, fa- our, our actual website is dogbonehunter.com and we've Dogbone training. Okay. Ben just threw a total curveball at me. I don't <laughs> think you're right. I think our website is dogbonehunter.com. So, yeah, you're right. I'm down. So, Ben, ben <laughs> here, always keeping me on my toes. It's supposed to be the website. So, yeah, my website guy doesn't know what our website is, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. He's going to train the dog for me. So, um, but no, dogbonehunter.com is our website. One of the we one of the things that we were just kind of confused about was we redid our website, and so one of the things we're trying to do is make that. Um, that experience on our website a little bit better, a little easier because we recognize how, how so many people are using um, those resources. So we have what we call a training library now and it's all free. Uh, there's, there's thousands of videos. I mean, there's thousands of hours of videos. And so it's, it is uh, very heavily migrated from our YouTube channel because our YouTube is something that we put a lot of effort into. We have put a lot of effort into over the, over the last few years, but so dogbonehunter.com and then at dogbonehunter is like basically everything our podcast is um the dogbone podcast p-a-w-d-c-a-s-t so you can just search dogbone and you'll probably find it on most most apps but um those are those are the big ones i mean those are the primary places where we're we're sharing and and you know it's interesting Instagram and Facebook, those are, everyone knows them and we've used them forever. But like TikTok, TikTok is something that I'm, I'm a little late to the game on everything. Like I think that that stuff changes so often and I, I just don't, we have limited resources. So we, we pour into stuff probably a little later um, in most situations when it comes to social media. But TikTok is something that I, I've actually found at first I was like, eh, not really sure. These guys are a little younger than I am. Uh, we've got a tremendous team of, of guys here and gals. So they have said, you know, I think you should look at it. You should look at it. And I think that platforms are as good as we use them. And I do think there's a, well, obviously there's a big user base on it, but there's, there is a place, time and place for certain things on TikTok from a content standpoint, from an information standpoint. And so we're going to just change some of the delivery on how we do some of our stuff and it's a little incomplete that's probably the part that i don't like the most it's not as thorough as i'd like but i realize like the shift that people want quick quick hit information and so yes um i think we can use it and benefit people i don't think it's the answer but i also think it's i think none none of these platforms are the answer like you you can get a little bit out of all of our different where we're putting out stuff it's all a little bit different and i think that consuming as much of it as possible using what works and discarding what doesn't is the answer so yeah yep i agree i agree very much 
And can't always, it's nice to have the the YouTube to sit on the in my office chair and watch it. And it's nice to be driving and listening on a podcast. Yeah. And then I agree. I'm uh, the same way. I, I just I've gotten to realize there's so much information out there for me to improve mm-hmm. on whatever it is I'm doing. And so I I really appreciate the idea that um, those opportunities lie, man. I mean, we, not to end it on a high note, because I do think it's important to do that. But like, there are so many great things out there right now. And there, you know, we, we got to make sure that we focus on recognizing that, putting that into perspective. And some of the places we have for information are just, you know, your podcast like this, this is, this is just, there's so many examples that we could talk about where there's a lot of really, really good, positive things out there. And it's okay to talk about some of that too. You know, Mm -hmm. I think we should talk about that good stuff. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. And and uh, I don't want to take any more of your time up and uh, I want to let you go. Was, so appreciate you very pleasure. much. It was my and pleasure, lo- man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, I'd love to check in with you down the road and and uh, and, and ask you some more more questions and, and, and talk life a little bit with you. Absolutely. I look forward to it. All righty. Well, thank you, sir. Yep. My ground, this is God's country.